Hi, I'm Tedra Meyer, Vermont Edition producer, and I wanted to let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to has been edited down a bit for clarity and brevity. Hope you like it. Enjoy. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Connor Cyrus. Today on the show, we're diving into the world of plant-based diets. There are different degrees of vegetarianism, and today we're talking about the far end of the spectrum, veganism, when people choose not to consume any animal products. Now, it's hard to measure how popular veganism is, but there are a few metrics people use to show that it's becoming more popular. The first is by using Google searches. The term vegan has increased in popularity over the years and now is searched just as often as the word beef. Another way to measure the popularity of plant-based diets is to look at sales. According to the Good Food Institute, the sale of plant-based foods grew three times faster than overall food sales in 2021. And studies have shown that plant-based diets can improve health and decrease carbon emissions. But giving up all meat and dairy products is not an easy feat for many Vermonters. So to help us understand why one would want to adopt a vegan lifestyle and to give us some tips on how to do it, we have some guests who have made the transition. Our first guest today is Carrie Lecompte. Uh, she's a board-certified pharmacist and lifestyle medicine professional at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Vermont. Carrie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I also want to welcome Rick Lavalley. He's the owner of Nourish LLC, maker of artisan plant-based cheese, and Nourish Delium Bakery in St. Albans. Rick, welcome. Thank you. Now, Carrie, I guess I just want to start with actually with the two of you, but Carrie, I'll start with you and just want to get some of the basics. Uh, what does being vegan mean to you? Yeah, well, so thank you again for having me. I, I uh, love to talk about this topic, and I, I honestly, I don't, I don't love to use the word vegan because, um, you know, vegan can be thought of as many things. Like you mentioned, it's it's the um, avoidance of animal products. But to me, I like to focus on a, a whole food plant predominant pattern of eating because um, my personal reason for for pursuing this kind of a diet is for health reasons. And you could be a vegan and be, you know, munching on some Oreos and drinking a Coca-Cola. And that's certainly vegan. But it's definitely not healthy. Um, so not all veganism is healthy, but a whole food plant-based diet, you know, is evidence-based, research-driven um, to show that it can actually prevent, treat, and reverse, in some cases, chronic conditions. So that's really what it means to me, is incorporating as much plant-based food into my diet as possible to try to prevent a lot of the chronic conditions that are, um, we as a nation are really plagued with. And Carrie, I just want to stick with you for and just here. How long have you been on this plant-based diet and what got you transitioning? It is going on about six years now. <clears throat> um, and my story is a little bit unique, as most people's are. I was a I, I graduated as a pharmacist in 2013. And so I've spent about a decade of uh, my career working with patients and their medications. So working one-on-one -on -one with patients, reviewing their medications, helping them understand uh, why they are prescribed the medication they have been prescribed and how to take it and side effects. And through conversations with patients, I found very early on that there was a big need to understand how a patient could come off of medication, especially in Vermont. I think, you know, there's always that 
kind of uh, hope that we don't have to be on medications if it's not absolutely necessary and if there's alternative methods that uh, people are really curious about. So when I was young, when I was younger and just first starting out, I, you know, as most healthcare professionals will say, you really don't get a lot of nutrition training in um, college and in, in medical school and pharmacy schools, certainly pretty much zero, you know, about 10 hours or less. And um, I didn't have any good answers. You know, if someone came to me and said, I was diagnosed with type two diabetes, how can I, um, how can I reverse that? I would say, well, I'm very sorry, but unfortunately you can't reverse type two diabetes once you're diagnosed. And it just didn't fit right. It didn't sit right. And it, and it felt really hopeless to people. Um, and so at, at that time, my mentor and, and very good friend who just happened to be embedded in a lifestyle medicine clinic kind of taught me the ways and opened my eyes up to lifestyle medicine and, um, you know, taught me that a whole food plant-based diet really does uh, have the evidence to show that it can prevent, treat, and reverse chronic conditions like type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. So the more I learned, the more interested it became to me, and I kind of just, you know, took off from there. Um, we embedded it into our own lifestyle and tried it out ourselves, my husband and I, with our little kids at the time who had really gone to, you know, come to grow up with eating a whole food plant-based diet predominantly. I certainly am never 100%, and I, you know, I want to make that clear that it's, it's okay to, to be able to incorporate this into your diet and it doesn't have to be an all or nothing. Um, but through that time doing it on a personal level and then also integrating it into my career, it was so satisfying to be able to help patients and empower them and help have them become an advocate for their own health and help them feel like they can actually change the trajectory of their own health outcome. And Carrie, I do want to hear more about how your and your patient experience and how that, but I do want to hear from Rick and hear, Rick, uh, how did you become vegan? And tell us about how that plays into your lifestyle today. Sure. Uh, very much like, uh, like Carrie, uh, I avoid the term uh, vegan versus vegan lifestyle. Uh, but my uh, my journey started uh, seven years ago. Uh, I'm a firefighter paramedic uh, going on to 20 years, just retired. I was in the doing cardiac resuscitation efforts on a 42-year-old person. I myself was 54, and I came home, and I said to my wife, am I next? Uh, by this point in my career, I've probably done well over 100 resuscitation efforts, and the results of those efforts probably haven't changed since the 1960s. You can play with statistics all you want, but the truth is, is young people are dying. And for me, it was starting to really affect me uh, mentally. I, I needed to know why, why is this happening? Uh, so I started doing some research. My wife uh, sent me on the journey of watching uh, a number of Netflix, Netflix uh, documentaries and I happened upon uh, Colin Campbell, Dr. Colin Campbell, and I started reading uh, the China study. And then I got more intrigued by it. And I took a course through eCornell uh, in uh, plant-based nutrition. Two weeks into that course, I, uh, I gave up um, and adopted a uh, plant-based diet. Uh, doesn't mean I didn't fall off the wagon a few times in my journey. I certainly did, 
but uh, predominantly uh, going on to uh, seven years now, I am 100% uh, on a plant-based diet. The result for me at 64 is I feel like I'm 20. Mm. I've got amazing amounts of energy. I should also add into this that I've had type 1 diabetes for 53 years. And I do not have type 1 diabetes um, issues or problems that are normally associated with the disease. So for me, it's it's uh, understanding what was going on has just uh, led me to want to get more involved because as a paramedic of watching people die needlessly, uh, you know, from uh, cardiac disease uh, and then understanding what we can do with plant-based diets, just amazing. I want to go to the phones and listeners, if you want to join the conversation this hour, we're talking about the vegan lifestyle, plant-based diets. How's that going for you? Are you curious about it? Do you have questions? Give us a call and let us know. 1-800-639-2211. Let's go to Nalima in Colchester. Nalima, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. This program's long overdue. So my first comment is I'm from Vermont. I love Vermont but I think there's a real lack of reporting about what actually goes on on our beloved dairy and meat farms. And um, I grew up here as a vegetarian, but eating dairy or drinking dairy and believing that, you know, somehow that was okay. And I now know it's not. And I'm a little bit disturbed that so many of my fellow Vermonters seem to conflate local with inherently ethical as if that uh, veal cow who's separated from its mother and tortured and killed is like, Oh, it's okay if the milk goes to make Cherry Garcia, you know, I'll be gratefully dead. So obviously there's some things that we, we love cows and we like that how it looks, but we can have cows as um, animals that we protect. We can have sanctuaries and, and still not try to keep propping up dairy farms in other states. Policy is helping dairy farmers tra transition into more sustainable methods. We need to protect our lake. We need to protect our help, our health, but, I also just wanted to comment about the livelihood of the animals who no animal wants to die, no local animal wants to die. If they did, you know, uh, we could eat local golden retrievers or dogs and cats who, you know, quote unquote, live good lives. So I hope that Vermonters who care about so many issues can also expand um, their hearts to to animals. And Nalima, thank you so much for for that call. And I think that uh, a lot of people who choose vegan go vegan for ethical reasons like animals. And we're going to get into that conversation uh, later on this hour. But I do want to go to Carrie. And Carrie, uh, you teach classes on lifestyle medicine. Tell us a little bit about uh, what that is and what that means. Yeah, so I... Um... Throughout, throughout the work I do with Blue Cross and members, I, I teach a, I do individual and then group um, work with lifestyle medicine. And uh, um, so, so the program that I ran last year, you know, we had uh, employees go through a 12 week uh, lifestyle medicine focused program and they learned about not only a whole food plant predominant way of eating, but other pillars of lifestyle medicine that lead to a healthy lifestyle like regular physical activity, restorative sleep, stress management, positive social connections, and avoidance of risky substances. And all of that is, you know, been proven to, again, prevent, reverse, and treat chronic conditions. And during the, um, during the program, they take a biometric screening. So they get to see what their um, blood sugar looks like, their lipid panel, 
they measure their weight circumference and get a BMI, et cetera. And then they do it again at the end of 12 weeks. So about 10 weeks in, you do a pre and post. And it's just remarkable. It, it really is remarkable, the changes that can be made in such a short period of time. Um, one, one of my favorite quotes was from a husband and wife who joined the class. And uh, the, the wife wrote at the end of the class, she said, my husband got his results and they are nothing less than a miracle. He's no longer pre-diabetic. His lipids have plummeted. Triglycerides are way down and he's lost 20 pounds. Truly life-changing. I never thought a meat-loving, daily cold cuts consumer sugar addict would be able to change one day at a time for a lifetime. So it's just really powerful on both. The largest city is preparing to host a <laughs> black communities across the city. Uh, Carrie, is that, is that your phone? I don't think so. Oh, no. Rick, is that your phone? Uh, yeah, I just, just, a, just a ghost. <laughs> I was like, oh, or I was like, we have a ghost intruder on this conversation. Yeah, no, I thought I was, I thought I was on mute. My apologies. No, it's all good. Um, Carrie, I'll let you finish. Oh, okay, yeah. It's, so that's basically it. But it, it's, it's a powerful um, program to to run. You can, you can really see the change in people, and the success stories are just really powerful. And it, and it helps and encourages me to continue doing what I'm doing, both personally and professionally. Yeah, and then I want to go back to the phones, and let's talk to Rachel in Colchester. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. What's your question or comment? Um, so, I went plant-based about five years ago for environmental impact reasons. Um, I read an article in the New Yorker called, Can a Burger Solve Climate Change?, um, and that had a huge impact on me. And then, of course, I started digging deeper, watching those Netflix documentaries. Thankfully, my partner, who's older than me, was like the firefighter who, in his 60s, feels like he's 20. He watched the Game Changers movie and adopted a plant-based diet. And when I hear um, news reporting on climate change and fossil fuels, I really wonder why no one's talking about methane and how much methane is produced through animal agriculture. And I'm just wondering why there's not more of a focus on that and maybe we could shed light on that issue and start talking about diet as a form of climate action. Rachel, I want to just ask you a quick question, which is what was the hardest part about going plant-based? Um, I think the hardest part was, you know, social things, family events, and also just shaking the idea of how meat dishes are rolled into a tradition, you know, having Thanksgiving without a turkey. But you just, you find ways to, you know, to add new meaning and keep the traditions that are meaningful to you but um, Rachel thanks so much for calling in and sharing your expertise your knowledge with us and Rick I want to go to you and just have see if you have a response to how we talk about farming and methane gases um, in our state sure Uh, as a matter of fact uh, both uh, the uh, college people who just called in have a very uh, very sound uh, comments on 
why we would choose to be vegan. And um, in the first one, uh, first caller, uh, we have what's called cognitive dissonance. In other words, disassociating our daily diet from our pets. And so her comment is is very true of a lot of people who adopt this kind of diet. And then you've got eco-sensitivity, which was our second caller, Rachel. Uh, and again, very true. Um, we've We've got this world at our feet and our methods of supplying food is not sustainable. Uh, we cannot produce enough food. I don't know if anybody's aware, but over 81 billion, 81 billion, I want that number to sink in, 81 billion animals are killed every year to feed us. That's We're supposed to be stewards of our world. And here we are, uh, just mass slaughtering. And I think that's very powerful. I didn't start my journey with that thought process. I started my journey about health. But as I got into it, and I started to becoming very, very aware of my environment, very aware of what uh, I was doing, what my impact on this world is, uh, you really got to ask yourself these questions. Um, it's, you know, we've got to start realizing that if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to have to move to Mars. We're destroying this planet one step at a time. Now, Rick, you have run Nourish Deli and Bakery in St. Albans for two years. And so for people who haven't been there, tell us about your menu and what maybe some of the comments are for people who have never been. Uh, wow, that's uh, that's quite a bit. We, <laughs> um we're an interesting group. We we started out as cheesemakers two years ago uh, during the pandemic, and it, it just evolved. If I should have named it the Accidental Deli, because quite honestly, I was just making cheese, but our customers would come in and say, oh my gosh, could you make this? Could you make that? And uh, we grew exponentially in one year. Uh, we had to relocate this April into a, a much larger facility. So we make... Uh, we make a lot of what I call transition foods. So if I'm looking to adopt a uh, plant-based or vegan lifestyle, uh, I've spent 60 years feeding my body certain foods, and it likes those foods. So to make a transition cold turkey like I did, uh, you know, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. It's very, very difficult. But to make a transition and say, put a stake in the ground tomorrow and say, you know what, I'm going to eat one less animal meal a week, or I'm going to eat five less animal meals a week. But how do I replace that? How do I get those foods that my I, I'm so used to that's going to help me to make that transition? My goal uh, with Nourish Deli and Bakery is to provide those comfort foods that you're used to and hopefully eventually fall into Carrie's uh, realm of weaning you off of processed foods. So we make a lot of our stuff from scratch. Uh, if you come into our, our deli and bakery, we have over 20 different hamburgers. We have uh, entrees and our entrees, for example, we use all gluten-free rice pasta. Uh, we try to avoid a lot of the high carbohydrate, uh, high glycemic index foods and try to move people more towards a, a better and healthier diet. Um, 
uh, Carrie and I met actually, uh, I guess what, a year and a half ago, Carrie, uh, by us actually providing uh, some end of class uh, foods for her, her courses. And uh, I just love what Carrie's doing out there. Um, if you if you were to make a trip up to Nourish, you will find uh, dairy-free products, gluten-free products. I would say 50% of our clientele is enjoying a, a vegan lifestyle, but the other 50%, it's about food sensitivities. We live in, in a, uh, or every, everybody was brought up on cheese, for example. Well, if you have a, a dairy sensitivity and all of a sudden you can't eat that product, where do I get that comfort? Well, we started to make uh, you know, products. If you have a nut sensitivity, we have cheese that's made uh, that's not made from nuts. If you have gluten sensitivity, we have products that fit that diet. Rick, so I wanna, actually, Rick I want to jump yeah. in here really quickly. We have a lot of Go. emails coming in. We have a lot of callers <laughs> that I want to get to. Um, so if you can just answer really quickly, what's the flavor like of the vegan food? Because I think the flavor is a huge part of why people might be a little apprehensive. I will tell you right now, I our food is flavorful. As a matter of fact, if you adopt a plant-based diet, you will rediscover your taste buds. It's exciting. It'll bring enjoyment back to eating and take it away from just being, oh my God, I got to eat another meal. You'll actually taste your food again. Now, Dan emailed and said, I strongly recommend that everyone, especially vegans or those considering becoming vegan, watch the documentary Scared Cow by Diana Rogers and Rob Wolf. It shows that plant-based is not, sorry, <laughs> there, it shows that plant-based is not always what we are led to believe by the mass marketing machine. As a farmer, I strongly believe in regenerative, regenerative agriculture. Also read Wendell Berry, No Cow Poop, No, no Grass. Um, and I want to, and on that note, I do want to go to the phones and hear from some of our callers and listeners. If you want to join the conversation, one eight hundred six three nine two two one one. Let's go to Greg in Stafford, Quebec. Greg, welcome to the show. Hi, Connor. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I'm um, I'm eighty years old. I just turned eighty years old. I've been a vegetarian for the past fifty years. And I'm also a very active stilt performer. I dance on uh, three to four foot stilts. I just uh, confirmed two uh, stilt contracts this year. And um, uh, that's, that's about it. I, at one point, I used to be a really heavy smoker, uh, even after I'd first become a vegetarian. And um, uh, at one point, when I quit smoking, about five years later, I discovered I had throat cancer. And at that point, I went on a strictly vegan diet for two years. And after one year, the cancer disappeared. And I was being followed, followed up by a near nose and throat specialist. So that should say a lot for, for this. I mean, now I do occasionally eat cheese. Uh, in fact, I just recently, just about two weeks ago, I cut cheese out from my diet again because I was finding it was making me sluggish. It was um, I was adding weight and I could no longer fills into my um, fit into my stilt costumes. And um, that's the long and the short of it. Aside from the fact that I have two sons in their fifties, one uh, son is married to a woman who um, has health problems, and they both 
have been vegan now for about three years, four Craig, years. Thank you so much for that call. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but I do want to hear from uh, some more of our listeners. Let's go to Rebecca in Montpelier. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, so I've been a vegetarian my whole life, and something that I really struggle with is, you know, the guilt factor, for one, because um, I don't want my children to feel like they have to eat one thing or another. Um, so, but I, I really value that balance of that food balance and making sure that, that kids get a lot of whole foods. And something I really struggle with as the mother of a picky eater is how much, how to get enough protein into my child without um, always relying on peanut butter, which is the, you know, the one thing that he goes to. So I would love to hear from Carrie any suggestions about protein um, for picky kids. Rebecca, thank you so much for that call. And Carrie, we are getting emails about from parents who are raising kids and toddlers about how they get their, pro- how they get their protein <laughs> and the uh, benefits of breast milk. So how do you balance all of this and still maintain a vegan lifestyle? Yeah, so so those are really good questions. Um, so to, to Rebecca's point, you know, making sure that you get enough protein and, and nutrients in general in your in your children is is obviously very important, and you want to make sure you're you know feeding them the right foods. And and so I think that there's kind of a a common um, myth out there that we need a lot of protein to uh, you know be a healthy individual, and the reality is is that we probably as a nation overconsume protein. And um, on the contrary, we really underconsume fiber. And so I, I'd like to take some of the focus away from protein and making sure we get enough protein. The average amount of protein we should be receiving is about 0.8 grams per kilogram. Uh, there's 2.2 pounds in a kilogram. So you can do the math and figure out based on the size of the individual, how much protein they would need it to have an adequate amount of protein in their diet in a day. And if you want to try to um, move away from things like peanut butter, you know, uh, even things like steel cut oats or beans, um, you know, if, you, if you're making a tofu scramble, add some beans and vegetables, all of those things actually do contain a, a decent amount of protein. And uh, the rule of thumb is if you have a calorically balanced diet, you will have enough protein um, throughout the day. There's, it's very rare to have a protein deficiency in our uh, industrialized nation if you do not have a caloric deficiency. Now, Carrie, something that I think that's on a lot of people's minds who may be a little skeptical to this conversation is, does vegan equal weight loss? Hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. No, not necessarily. Again, I I, I, I don't really love the word vegan because I- A vegan lifestyle. My first comment. Um, okay. <laughs> Um, but eating a nutrient-dense diet can often lead to weight loss without calorie restriction because we don't um, tend to generally think about caloric density versus nutrient density. And um, if you think about fiber and fiber foods, fiber is such an important nutrient that often goes um, uh, without a whole lot of thought in, in people's daily consumption of food. And I, and I like to joke that I think sometimes fiber is kind of a fountain of youth because it's not going to prevent you from aging or prevent, prevent you from adding years to your life, but it will certainly um, add life to your years. And when you're eating fiber, fiber rich foods, 
the more fiber in a food equals the less calories in a food. So if you're fueling your body with a fiber rich diet, you will, um, you will be able to lose weight quicker by eating more food. And that kind of really blows people's mind. And it's another thing that I think is just so awesome about a whole food plant-based diet is that you never have to be hungry. You can eat and eat and eat. And literally it's kind of a side effect of the diet um, to watch the weight fall off. So it's, it's a, it's a win-win there. And another thing to think about is um, fiber is only present in a whole food, plant-based food, food, food sources. So you, you do not get any fiber in animal-based foods. I want to go to the phones and, oh, did you want to weigh in, Rick? No, I was just going to say, I really support what Carrie said. Um, uh, people are, the internet and information and all these things have been pounding us for years about you need protein, uh, avoid this, eat this, do that. And, and there is so much mis misinformation. You could take a handful of spinach, a handful of spinach and get enough protein from that plants have protein and this is where people are forgetting um i don't count anything i don't count i, I eat what carrie's just talking about a nutrient-rich diet from plant-based products and, and i'm not getting into arguments of should we eat meat or anything like this i'm just saying that we can get all the nutrients we need from a plant-based diet don't focus on am i getting protein am i getting this um uh, you will get more energy from eating a plant-based diet. And there's, if you need to do your research, head to the internet and research and watch all these videos and information on plant-based. You will feel better. Let's go back to the phones and let's talk to Hugh in Colchester. Hugh, welcome to Vermont Edition. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, I was just curious about, uh, and how that fits into the picture. I know it's not really available or widely available just yet, but uh, I mean, I guess as far as the ethical concerns go, that would kind of eliminate those. Uh, but also curious if, you know, maybe a vegan person who eats a primarily plant-based diet would consider eating lab-grown meat, uh, not necessarily all the time, but just occasionally. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that call. And I know he broke out uh, just a little bit uh, in that call, but he was asking about the ethics of lab-grown meat and if that is considered vegan. Um, Rick, I'll start with you and let you answer. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to answer whether it's considered vegan or not. And, and, and essentially, it wouldn't be. If you divide, if you define the term, what is vegan, it refers back to uh, not utilizing any animal for the gain or benefit for yourself. Now, frankenmeats, or sorry, lab-grown meats, uh, they, they still involve harvesting a cell from an animal in order to create the product. So if you're asking about, does it fit the criteria for quote-unquote strict veganism, uh, the jury's out, I would say it probably doesn't. Uh, is it gonna be nutritiously, uh, uh, something that we need in our diet, I'm going to, again, I'm going to say no. Uh, is this meat going to, so, so when we look back at traditional meat, it's one of the highest cause of cardiac and arterial disease uh, in our population. So is this meat going to be any better? And, and I'll say the same thing about plant-based meats. Is eating a uh, Beyond or an Impossible Burger any better 
than eating a traditional burger? And the answer is probably going to be no, because all of these things contain high fats. Uh, so is a Franken is a lab grown meat? I apologize. Is a lab grown meat going to be any better than uh, the products? And and the answer is probably no. Really, what we're looking at when we talk plant based diets is the nutritional value of the food that we're ingesting. And Carrie, what are your thoughts on these meat substitutes and their health? I I, I tend to agree with Rick. I think. Um, my my focus when I when I talk to to people that are are looking to transition is that the concept of try you know crowding out instead of cutting out foods. So if you're able to crowd out those those products that may not really necessarily have good evidence behind um, the nutritional benefit, like lab you know meat or or those um, kind of transitional impossible burger type meat. If you can, if you can do that and and stick to a you know maybe a black bean burger or something like that and replace, you're you're going to be better off. It's all about you know um, kind of how can you make your how can you make the food that you ingest the most you know nutritious or that have the most nutritional value. So I I think there there might be a a place for them for for transitioning at, at least the you know the impossible and beyond burger type foods, but it certainly doesn't add any nutritional value to your to your diet. Let's go back to the phones and let's talk to Chandra and Dummerston. Chandra, welcome. Hi. Um, well, I have been a vegan since 1991, and I've lived in Vermont since 1996, and I've uh, raised my two kids here um, in a whole, on a whole foods vegan diet. I have an 18-year-old and a 10-year-old. And, and my feeling actually about Vermont is that Vermont actually has been quite a great place to raise my kids vegan. Um, I feel like Vermont, there's a lot of, of good options. There's a lot of whole food stores. You know, when I moved to Vermont, people said like, oh, Vermont loves its dairy. You're going to have a hard time there. And, and that's really never been my experience here. I feel like um, there's a, been a decent amount of understanding and support here. Um, as a vegan. So Chandra, thanks you so much for, for that call. Let's take one more before we go to break, and let's talk to Jennifer and Bridgewater. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. What's your question or comment? I just wanted to, um, so I was, I'm a nurse, and I have a, just a minuscule amount of experience with nutrition. Um, I just wanted to focus on um, the fact that I think um, Vegan is a lifestyle, um, or plant-based is a lifestyle. And I just wanted to um, ask or, or make a comment about the fact that I think we need to concentrate not only on um, the fact of um, the health of not eating animals, but um, what about all the processed foods um, that don't really have anything to do with animals, um, but the corn syrup and everything that's added to our, to our food? Um, I think we need to uh, pay attention to that um, just as much or even possibly more than um, the animal uh, consumption. Jennifer, sounds like that's a whole other show for another day talking about corn syrup and all the sugars in our diets. But thank you so much for uh, weighing in on this conversation. Now, I want to bring somebody else into the conversation, and that's Bava Carr. She's the owner and baker at Sweet Alchemy Bakery and Cafe in Essex Junction. Bava, welcome. Hi, thank you. 
Now, Baba, you're not a vegan, but you make vegan and gluten-free products. And as I understand it, you grew up vegetarian. Tell us about your upbringing and relationship with vegetarianism. Yeah, so my parents were both vegetarians long before I was born. I think they um, became vegetarian in their early 20s or late teens. So my brothers and I were all raised vegetarian, but one unique aspect of that was we didn't eat eggs either. So we were lacto-ovo vegetarians, I believe. Um, so I grew up like learning to bake without eggs, which played later on very nicely into vegan baking. So it's easier to substitute from my, my background with that. Um, and we, my mom was an amazing cook, amazing baker. Like she would cook two or three meals a day. Um, I was homeschooled, so we would have like all our meals together. So we had a really strong food culture in my family. And I was super fortunate to be raised on just like, yeah, beautiful, mostly plant-based as it, as it happens because, you know, it's very affordable to eat lots of vegetables and grains and not quite so much dairy products. Um, so I grew up eating really well and I didn't have a lot of like meat substitutes. I think we would sometimes have tofu pups, but I didn't even like those. So like a large part of my experience was I wasn't substituting for something that other people would have that ate meat or, or more milk products. So that was another unique aspect of like my cooking history. Um, yeah, so I, I just, I never really thought about like not being a vegetarian. It just, it just seemed like that's the right thing to do. And then as I got older, I, um, actually found out I had a milk protein intolerance nine years ago, which was coincidentally right when I started my, my home-based baking business. So I wasn't trying to start uh, a vegan bakery, but I got like my blood work back, I think a week before I got a license and I went, oh well, I guess I'm not supposed to have milk products, so I should focus on dairy-free baking. It's so interesting. One of our guests, Rick, said that everybody falls into a plant-based diet in a different way. So it's really interesting to hear how all these people have found plant-based diets. Now, you're baking without eggs and in some recipes milk. Is it hard to overcome, and how do you pull it off? Ah, I know. I get that question so much, (laughs) and I feel like I'm a really bad person to answer it because Again, I grew up without eggs, and my mother had so many just amazing recipes, and I and I learned, I just learned sort of the art and science of baking from her, and then definitely went pretty rogue in my mid twenties, and I was like, I'm going to do everything gluten free with bean flour, and trying to do like more healthy style baking, and um, that so the egg was never never difficulty. Um, the one thing that I really missed baking with was yogurt. Yogurt has phenomenal properties that are pretty hard to substitute for. So I think the best way to answer that is I've been experimenting with vegan baking and vegan as well as gluten-free baking for almost 12 years now. And I started before I even thought I had to, you know, give up dairy. So it was just a curiosity. And I'd I'd had some cookies out in, I think it was at UVM. I was at UVM at the time. And they were atrocious. They were so bad. I was like, the poor people who have to eat vegan and gluten-free cookies, this is just a terrible fate. So I was like, there's got to be a better way. So I, I started just experimenting and trying to like figure out, okay, so it, it's too dry. What do I do about that? Or now it's like too sweet and just slowly like tweaking lots of recipes. So I've had, yeah, I guess 12 years of practice now. And I think I've, I think I've kind of cracked a lot of the, the codes with vegan baking and um, I think one thing I would say about eggs, because people ask that the most, and if you think about the property of an egg, it has fat, it has liquid, 
and it creates lift. So I don't necessarily do like an egg substitute one-to-one, but I add like a little more oil, a little more water, and a little more baking powder. Like it's as simple as that with a lot of the recipes that I use. That's Bava Kar. She's the co-owner and baker at Sweet Alchemy Bakery and Cafe in Essex Junction. Bava, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Now, I do want to read a few of your emails. We had Joyce emailed us and said, I am a vegan Vermonter, 16 years vegan, husband too. We both have done marathons and triathlons, including Ironmans, doing this all as vegan. I'm currently 53 years old and training for my fifth full Ironman. I do all of this without harming animals. I am vegan for the animals. Animals are uh, sentient beings who suffer and are mistreated on factory farms as well as small farms. If my husband and I can pursue extreme endurance events in our 50 years and thrive without harming animals, so can you. It's not hard, especially this day and age where there is a vegan option out, out there for everything. We also had Kim emailed us and said, I'm 100%, uh, I'm all for being 100% vegan, but also want to say that, not, that being more vegan or mostly vegan is also good. I was nearly vegan for, for a number of years due to humane issues, but realized that there's a case for supporting small farms and are doing the right thing since cheese and eggs are not going away anytime soon. So I, so I am totally vegetarian, but eat a small amount of eggs and cheese from time to time. Unfortunately, humane issues with dairy and eggs are just as bad with are just as bad as with meats which many people don't know. It's also important if you're concerned about humane treatment of animals to buy from small farms who care about their animals. Now, I do want to go to the phones and hear from more of you. And listeners, we uh, thank you so much for being patient while waiting with us. I want to go to Emily in Essex Junction. Emily, welcome to the show. Hey there, thank you. Um, I had a quick quick question for you guys. Uh, I'm wondering if you could speak to uh, your thoughts on overcoming the stereotypes that uh, vegan food is uh, bland and boring. Um, I love to cook, been vegan for a few years, and uh, love my food. Um, but trying to share with family members who aren't vegan uh, is definitely a little bit challenging. So i uh, wondering if you guys have any thoughts on that. Rick, I'm going to start with you on this. And if you wouldn't <laughs> mind, when you answer, just sharing maybe a recipe or two that can prove just how flavorful vegan food can be. Well, I have the very fortunate um, to live with a Cordon Bleu trained chef. Uh, so uh, she has taught me well. But uh, in answer to the question, the, the beauty of a, of a vegan or plant-based diets is uh, the ability to taste uh, flavors again. And my recommendation is learn to cook with spices. Uh, Bava made a really good point that she grew up cooking uh in in that environment without dairy and eggs well when we were talking about families especially our parents who grew up cooking a certain way for you know the past 50 years you have to relearn how to cook you're going to make mistakes you're going to but it's try 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 again but the real key is spices uh even in the meat world even when we're cooking a, a pot roast or things like this it's not the meat that tastes so good. It's the spices. Meat is simply a medium for a really good sauce. So if we could replace that medium with something else, but make a really good sauce, we're going to have great success in uh, getting people to taste these foods again. 
Carrie, I want to get you, I want to hear maybe do you have a favorite recipe that you can share with our listeners that will help get them inspired and prove that vegan food does have flavor? Yeah, I, I echo everything that Rick just said. It's so true with the spices and, you know, trying out different sauces. Um, one kind of go-to for me is always like Mexican themes, so tacos and, uh, you know, using mushrooms as a replacement for meat is really great because it's got that kind of meaty uh, texture and consistency. And so if you can, you know, blend up your mushrooms and get it into a, a ground beef consistency, actually, and throw it on a uh, pan with some uh, ground walnuts and then maybe season it with some tamales, some apple cider vinegar, some cumin, paprika. That's a really great uh, base for your tacos. And then you can add all the, all the toppings that you usually like because they're plant-based and healthy. So your salsa, your guacamole, um, lettuce, you know, and then for those who love sour cream, I um, recommend trying a kind of a, a tahini base with maybe a little bit of hot sauce and some soy milk um, little lemon juice, maybe a little bit of salt, you know, you can kind of play with it. And, and as Rick said, you'll, you'll fail several times. We all have, but once you find those uh, recipes that are, that are good, you, you stick with them and people love them. And then you can use that on top of your taco and, and you will, I'm sure, you know, uh, impress your friends and, and be humbled by the fact that you're also providing a healthy meal. And then Carrie, I, as we have like just a minute left with the two of you, I want to ask your advice for people who are listening to this show and are curious about the lifestyle, but don't maybe know how to start or giving up all meat and dairy all at once is too much. What is your advice or suggestions? My, my advice is just start somewhere. It doesn't, you do not have to go all in. And to Rick's point, you probably don't want to. But just maybe, you know, first try to enjoy some foods that you already like, maybe like a stir fry or something. And instead of the chicken, try using tofu or just don't do a substitute at all. Just, you know, you do a stir fry with vegetables and, and a whole grain. Um, and then as you get comfortable, like kind of replacing or enjoying the foods that you already may already like, that you can kind of transition into plant based you can start adapting more into it and then exploring kind of new um, ingredients like nutritional yeast and, and things like flaxseed meal and uh, farro and all the kind of fun things out there that will uh, encourage you to get exploratory with the kitchen and, and really find enjoyment in um, trying new things because there's such a, you know, if you can focus on the Carrie, I'm yep. so sorry to do this, but we're going to have to, I have to let you go. That's Carrie Compt. She's a lifestyle medicine professional at Blue Cross Blue Shield of Vermont. Carrie, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you. And Rick Lavalley, he's the co-owner of Nourish LLC, maker of artisan plant-based cheese and Nourish Deli and Bakery in St. Albans. Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. Appreciate it.